1: AT&T Fiber, Live Like a Gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details.
0: This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
1: Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Encyclopedia Womanica. Today's activist risked her life to spread something that's crucial for any community, education. She endured persecution, violent attacks, and illness for the cause of education, inspiring hundreds of formerly enslaved people in the process. Let's talk about Mary Peake. Mary Peake was born Mary Smith Kelsey in Norfolk, Virginia in 1823. Her mother was a free Black woman, and her father was an upper-class Englishman. When Mary was six, her mother sent her to the District of Columbia to attend school and live with her aunt. Over the subsequent decade, Mary received an education that included needlework, reading, writing, and math. Then, Southern slaveholders' racist fear of educated black citizens boiled to the surface, and Congress banned all black people in the District of Columbia from attending school. So at 16 years old, Mary Peake had to go back to Virginia to live with her mother. Education was also banned there, but Mary refused to let that stop her from spreading her knowledge. She risked her freedom to secretly start teaching enslaved and free Black people how to read and write. In 1847, Mary's mother remarried and the whole family moved to Hampton, Virginia. Mary made a living by sewing clothes, and she continued to teach Black children and adults on the side. She even taught her own new stepfather. Mary got married to Thomas Peake, a formerly enslaved man in 1851. They had a daughter named Hattie, and Mary continued to happily teach the community until an act of hate interrupted all of their lives. On a summer night in 1861, hundreds of Confederates stormed Hampton, a union-controlled town. They lit all 500 buildings on fire, killing some of the sleeping residents inside. Many were able to escape, but the blaze raged all night and left only a few buildings standing. Still, Mary continued teaching even after this horrific attack, despite the fact that only a few dozen people remained in Hampton. Little did she know, she was about to get a lot more students. Nearby, the largest stone fort ever built in the United States, Fortress Monroe, became a place of refuge for formerly enslaved people fleeing Confederate territory. General Benjamin Butler, the fort's Union commander, convinced Congress to pass the First Confiscation Act, which nullified the Fugitive Slave Act, and allowed formerly enslaved people who had escaped to stay safely behind Union lines by being declared, quote, contraband. So many people fled to Fortress Monroe that they outgrew the walls and began to build housing on the ruins of Hampton. They called this new town the Grand Contraband Camp, Grand Contraband Camp was complete with its own churches, businesses, and, of course, schools. The American Missionary Association, or AMA, sent Reverend Louis Lockwood to open the first Sabbath school in the community. As soon as news broke that an official school was opening up, students said they wanted Mary to teach them. After all, she'd been defying Virginia law to teach them secretly all along. The AMA hired Mary, and she became the first Black teacher at the Grand Contraband Camp Sabbath School. On September 17, 1861, half a dozen children gathered together as students underneath an enormous oak tree for Mary's first official class. Within a few days, that small group became 50 or 60 eager students. The iconic tree that acted as their classroom would later come to be known as Emancipation Oak, The children learned quickly, and soon adults also sought to learn from Mary. She began teaching night classes as well. The AMA soon granted Mary use of Brown Cottage, and Mary began to live and teach there. Unfortunately, her health was starting to fail. She'd contracted tuberculosis before the war, and it left her bedridden on her worst days. Even then, students would gather around Mary's bed to hear her lessons. Mary fought against her illness for the good of education, but by the end of 1861, she was too sick to teach. Mary died of tuberculosis in 1862. She was 39 years old. Mary's life ended far too soon. She didn't see the war end or her students grow up. But her impact is undeniable. The site where she taught would later become the prestigious Hampton Institute. All month, we're talking about activists. Tune in tomorrow for a bonus episode brought to you by the Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission. The Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission and the U.S. Senate designated August as National Women's Suffrage Month, a month-long celebration honoring the history of women's fight for the vote. They have a nonpartisan mission to ensure that Americans across the country have the opportunity to participate in the centennial and to learn about this important but often overlooked history. To learn more about the Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission and its initiatives, tune in to bonus episodes releasing every weekend this month on Womanica, and head to www.women'svote100.org. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Encyclopedia Womanica, and you can follow me directly on Twitter at Jenny M. Kaplan. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co creator. Talk to you tomorrow. Before you go, I want to tell you about Seeking Peace, a podcast from Georgetown University in collaboration with UN Women. It features inspiring stories of women fighting for peace around the world. In its second season, we'll hear from Nobel Peace Prize winners, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, and even male allies like Malala Yousafzai's father. Check out Seeking Peace on all major listening platforms or listen on SeekingPeacePodcast.com. Check it out.
0: Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.